Welcome to the One of Our Own podcast, where we talk through the life and times of players who come through the Middlesbrough FC Academy. Uh, I'm Matt, I'm joined by Paul as ever, and delighted to say today we're joined by Stuart Downing. Thanks for joining us, Stewie. Um, Stewie, obviously a fantastic career in two spells in Middlesbrough, also played for Liverpool, West Ham, Aston Villa and of course the England national team as well. Stewie, coming through a club like Middlesbrough, your boyhood club, yeah. a lad from Pally Park, just talk us through your first encounters with the club and, and how you came to be a Borough player in the first instance. I uh, started from, I think it was eight or nine year old, training at Ayrson Park at the time, it was in the gym upstairs. We were Ayrson Park? Ayrson Park, yeah. Wow. The gym upstairs was like, uh, yeah, that's where the, like, obviously the Sentinel of the excellence were, it was like Paul Jenkins was coach at the time, Frank Spraggan. Uh, so it was, it was quite good, like you say, we used to go there on Tuesday and like Thursday nights after school down there and then they sort of moved to, it was actually my comprehensive school, Keldon, up on uh, Onsby Road. So they were sort of like scattered around for a couple of years, really at different, different places. And then obviously Tolesby Road when I got a little bit older, uh, into the sort of, what is it, excellence teams in the 13s, 14s. So yeah, we saw sort of, the first couple of years we're getting, you know, like you said, dotting around at different places, but the first memories I remember is Ayrson Park upstairs in the gym. And that's obviously before we had the academy as a set up here at Rockland yeah. Park. Yeah. How, did, how did you get spotted for that then first? You said about the centre of excellence and stuff, was that just playing schoolboy football? That yes, we played football, played for Martin Juniors, and then it was Ron and uh, Keith Noble, who sadly obviously passed away didn't he, a couple of months ago. Uh, them two used to watch a lot of local lads. We had good teams, Cleveland Juniors, Martin, Kader, so a lot of lads in the areas. Ron would obviously go around and spot and invite us into training and stuff like that. So I was like casually, like I say, coming into training on the odd nights and uh, went to a few other clubs as well, training and stuff like that. But uh, I always had a good relationship with Ron. My dad did, and like I say, he always in, invited us to tournaments like the Mill Cup, stuff like that. Even though I wasn't a, a contracted player. Mm-hmm. You also in that group then, Stu, with any other lads sort of your age then that were from Middlesbrough that was yeah. with, that would have cut the that since come through. Come, come through. I think. Uh, so Andy Kelly came in as a full-time apprentice with me. He was at Martin Juniors and stuff like that. Uh, David Murphy was like Hartlepool, so he was a little bit further, but we used to play in the same league. And then uh, Chris Garbutt, who was in my youth team, and Chrissy Ems. Emsy was was Kader, so he was a bit of a rival. And uh, Garbutt played in my youth team at Martin, so generally you can see the lads from different teams and all sort of come together at the centre of excellence. And then, like I say, a few of us got took on as apprentices. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Sam Russell was obviously in the air above us at Martin, and then obviously yeah, above at Middlesbrough as well. So it was a good like crop of every year group coming into Middlesbrough. You know, a hotbed of football really. Without like, without being arrogant, did you look at that and think I I feel like I belong at this level? I feel like I can do something. Here. I feel like I can be a professional footballer because I guess that's every mm-hmm. kid's dream, isn't it? But yeah. do you feel like I've got something here? I've got a real chance. Yeah, I did Middlesbrough because obviously it's home as well, and just like. You know, even if it wasn't home, that we got treated here by the, the people, the staff, the coaching I enjoyed. Like I say, I went to other clubs and, and stayed away for weekends when I was young, but I was always a homeboy. And mm-hmm. no matter how good it was when we got treated, I never felt at home, if you know what I mean. I always felt like, you know, I might miss home. And, and like I say, when I come to a decision where I had to uh, to sign, it was between actually Chelsea and here. Mm-hmm. And I, the only reason that probably stopped me from Chelsea was I wanted to be at home and didn't feel as, as comfortable, no family around me, your friends. but. Like say Ron and Keith and people like that, you couldn't do enough for you, you know what I mean? Take you out to games, treat your family to the game, the matches and like I say I was ball boy for the games and stuff like that. And so they always had that little extra touch, if you know what I mean, that made you feel more welcome. Mm-hmm. Were you always gonna be a footballer or when you were at school and you sort of in your late teens and that? Yeah. 
was there likely to be anything else that you could have done? Were you thinking about doing anything else, or was it pure football? Pure football, and, and to be fair, Josie at school, it was like when I got late 14, 15, I'd signed a schoolboy known I was going in as an apprentice two years before I was leaving school, so I already knew I was coming in full time. So, did you drop it off at school then? Then, yeah, or I didn't that use if I, I loved school, I went every day, and I mean, I didn't like obviously bunk off and stuff like that, or mess around, it's just that I didn't really probably concentrate as much as I should have. And mm. the teachers sometimes would say, Well, we're going to tell your dad you're not doing your work, so you can't go to train. It was always you know, one of them trying to trying to probably do more work, but I think I was just that excited that I was going into professional and just couldn't wait for it to begin really. So yeah. Would that have been like a similar time so when when what was your first experience of coming to Rockcliffe then? Was that sort of similar you said about yeah signing on your scholarship and stuff there? Was that about the similar kind of time? Because I'm trying to think like yeah. how the years had line up. I think this opened in ninety eight maybe. No, this came in ninety eight two thousand money. No, I think it's ninety eight this building opened. Yeah, but it was sort of open porter cabin, wasn't it? No, right, yeah. It's what, a bit of transition. So well, I think lads used to get train over in the change it changed yeah. where the hotel is now, is that right? So where the car park is where the golf club is there now, that yeah. was all like porter cabins and then we used to just walk down to the pitch. The hotel was derelict. Right. So we used to drive in where the hotel entrance is now down, it was like bumpy road. That drive obviously wasn't there. And then when I first came in full time apprentice here, YTS, then the full building was open. So I don't know if it was my year or maybe the year before, like Stu Parnaby's age, mm -hmm. sorry, Sam Russell that age, that it fully opened the building and the cabins went. But before that, yeah, like it was it was 99, 2000 was half hotel, half cabins, yeah. So who was, what was, what was the academy structure like that? Like you came in at 16, who, who was your coach? I'm assuming Dave Parnaby was heading things up, was it? Yeah, Dave was a academy director at the time, but then he became our coach as well, as well I think. I don't know if it was, uh, juggling two jobs or uh, but he then became our, our coach uh, Proc had the nine because it was 16s when the 17s 19s reserves then so yeah uh, and then obviously sometimes we get moved up to Proc and, uh, and all the youth cup games the two groups would mix together wouldn't they? 17s and 19s and pick the best sort of 11 out of that but Dave was obviously our coach in the first first group and I think it was nine of us who signed on YTS now, you've come in you've come in there's a big group of players yeah You've, Stewie, you, what what did you do or what did it take for that talent that you clearly had then for you to be able to go on and, because you didn't, it wasn't a long time before you broke through in the first mm. team, you must have been sort of incredibly talented, but also got your head down and worked. Is that yeah. right? Or? Yeah, and I think that allowed us to come from Dave because if you didn't, you, you didn't play, like, he, he wasn't, yes, he was bothered about your talent, obviously that's, that's probably what got you in, but you had to work hard with him, prop was the same, uh, we had good values, like you say, I always remember I'm jumping a gun a little bit, but when I first team I played in the first team, it was away on my day doing then the next day I had to report with my tracks with the back of the U team. I look back now and think, why was I with the first team? But Dave was like, keep your feet in the ground, it was pump the balls back up, wait for your chance again. It was like looking back it was good obviously because you can get a bit carried away, can't you? But I don't know if the lads do all them jobs now, but we had to still do the boots, you know, the balls, all stuff like that. And he he was on us about timekeeping, just little things but I think they're standing in good stead, don't they? Because now I hate being late. I mean, yeah, I, give you, I mean, we see now with some of our young lads when when we've played away somewhere, we get back um, and they help unload the kit. We yeah. used, to, were you even doing that when you came through at first team when you were a young kid? Yeah. We're still doing little things like that that yeah. sort of does keep your feet on floor, doesn't it? Yeah, and it was it was so before uh, I got actually in the team like regularly, I, w I would travel a lot but get left out. I was always the seventeenth, eighteenth man, me and uh, Daver or David Murphy and Steve McLaren. Obviously, he said he was travelling and just wanted us to watch the players have the obviously train, prepare, and 
So it was like a learning curve for us, but then obviously we'd have to chip in, make the teas on the bus maybe, if the lads wanted a cup of tea. Alex Smith was a kit man at the time, they'd help him with a kit and just, just chuck in, we like to say the kit's on the floor at the game, we'd get it in the bag and help him and sort of yeah, make your way in. And until you're in the first team as a player, then obviously that stops, but you have to sort of learn your stripes, don't you? You read stories sometimes about young players, and you know, right, they, they have this career path set out, right, I want to play for my club, I want to play yeah. for my country. Were you like that? And did you believe you could do that? If that makes sense, no. did you believe you could go on and you could, as a young kid, did you believe you could play for Middlesbrough first team? And no. yeah, I can play for England, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge to play for England. I think I was a, I think yeah, everyone thinks about that, but I'll be honest, I suffered probably a lot of confidence. Even right through the players, you get dipped. really. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> believe it or not, a lot of players will tell you. Well, maybe they might not want to tell you, but you know, you just have confidence issues. I, when I was younger, physically, I wasn't probably developed so if you see me when I first played in the first team I looked at probably about 12 then <laughs> so I didn't fill out or grow but you know. still only look about 18 I know <laughs> like a late developer type of thing whereas you know like so David Murphy probably looked 20 odd year old when he was like 15 so he was physically bigger than me so he was ready for it when I went in the first team I actually when I played I'd done alright the first couple of games and thought oh, I could do this every week and then you hit a dip because obviously the men work, the men are the work you out you're not physically ready and that's where you probably need a loan so people have different paths people can go straight in and handle it and then they're in the team some probably need a loan to toughen them up and that's why you know obviously the Sunderland thing was a big thing for me because it gave me a lot of confidence what was that transition like you said so just stepping back a little bit transitioning yeah. into the first team was it you'd come in Sundays and, you, and you'd be like I might be training with the first today yeah. I might be training with the under 21s and then I might yeah. be with the first team squad I might be playing under 21s is that is yeah. that how it worked back, back then yeah I think the first first year it was a uh, Brian Robson was still here, so then when Steve McLaren came in in that second year, there was sort of a big turnaround in players and coming in and going, so it was a little bit, you might be training the 19s one day and then Steve McLaren would come up and watch a youth team, and he, I think he'd give us a talk to say, if you're good enough, you'll play in my team, it could, it could be this season, it could be next season. And we sort of got a heads up and Dave Parry and Proc and said, if you keep your head down, you'll get a chance in the first team this season. And I was playing like under 19s then, I'm thinking, I should have got to get reserves first and then go there, and he was like, no, because they're going to get rid of a lot of reserve lads who were sort of just hanging around with contracts and not really getting a chance and um, so from the start of the season I was in the 19th by the end of the season we were travelling the first team and, and we got a few games like I said after two in my debut so there was a lot of a turnaround where we sort of got fast tracked if you know what I mean we sort of like leaped the reserves I didn't play a massive amount of games in the reserves before I got on the first team it was literally you travel the first team you're on the bench maybe you might get on if not you go back to the reserves have a couple of games and it was a massive Honestly, if you think of a turnover players, I don't know if you don't want to look back, it'd be, it'd be huge. I guess that's the point of the academy was that, and you see it, it's everywhere now, but yeah. you were transitioning from a, a, a place where you'd have reserve team football, yeah. but replacing that with young, hungry lads who yeah. want to take that chance, yeah. rather than, like, as you said, players who, yeah. who aren't really getting a look in and maybe yeah. not be as motivated. Yeah, like I said, there were, there were some lads in reserves for three, four years and played like 200 on games, it's like... Mad really, a couple of loans here and there, but they were like obviously Brian Robson was here, they're on big contracts, they ain't gonna leave, that, that's just the norm. But McLaren came in, made his mind up that these are out, they're sort of hanging around, they're not, not gonna play for me. So he sort of shipped all them out, and we all sort of got like fast tracked and jumped ahead. And, and to be honest, when I look, look back, I probably wasn't ready, like I was still, like I said, developing, but he believed in us, and I think that gave us confidence because he's thinking he's gonna play us. Mm. He actually, like, he didn't lie, do you know what I mean? And then by the end of the season, me and Murph got a chance. And I think after that, it sort of gave everyone else confidence in him. Bloody hell, yeah, he's right. If, if we're good enough and he believes in it, he's going to play us. 
then you seen after that, didn't you, the, the belt of players coming who, who took Who took you under the wing then? Because you walked into quite a big dressing room. We'd be some big characters yeah. in that dressing room. Who, First team? Yeah. Who, who took yeah. you under the wing or looked Gareth, after you a bit? He was, I think Gareth was the main one. Uh, Hugo was class fella. Colin Cooper was big because I think, uh, obviously being a Middlesbrough lad, he took a bit of affection to us and me and Murph and that. And, and uh, he was good at us. Just you know, made us feel like an adult sort of thing. He didn't like, push us out of the as a kid and just whatever, clean the boots. Made us like feel welcome and uh, they were good. Like I say, we were training every day. It was just a good environment. Like I say, McLaren came in, all new ideas, coaching, and he liked young players. And he started obviously to buy young players. Like Jonathan Green was still young when he came in, so there was a good balance of young and old. So it wasn't we just got thrusted in with a lot of senior pros and just got whoa, this is a bit done. We sort of blended in. And, yeah, there was a good group. Like I say, Big Swartie was was good us. No, the the list gone. To be fair, he he built. He was big on team spirit and, and the group and. That probably helped us get in. What's it, what's it like as a Middlesbrough lad suddenly yeah. walking in that dressing room and pulling yeah. on a shirt and playing in first team? Crazy, really. <laughs> because it happened that fast, I don't think you probably thought about it. It wasn't like... Oh, no. You think football's easy? <laughs> yeah, you think, yeah, it was like, I'm in the youth team, so I'm finding my feet, might have to go on loan, and then all of a sudden you know, get a few games and you're in, and it's like, wow, this is unbelievable. So I didn't really have probably time to think about it, and, and you know, looking back, it was like, you know, credit to win McLaren, you know, you didn't have to play as we were only young, and, he lost a lot of games the first season, didn't he? I think the first five he lost in his management, mm-hmm. didn't he? Was yeah. it four, four, five? I think it was four, yeah. Five he, he had a long-term plan, and obviously the, the chairman backed him with it because he said, you know, I'm going to play the kids. If they're good enough, I'll play them. I don't have to spend money. And, and I think, obviously, Steve believed in that, and then it obviously worked. Well, you had extra pressure come with that, though, with it, with that being his politics. So, you know, these, this, this bright young thing that's come in. Yeah. Does that place extra pressure on you as a young kid? Uh, or don't you think about it? I don't know. Do I, you know, think I think more pressure probably for the, the older lads because at the time when we come through, you know, your Zendons and Mendia as big time players, big contracts, you know, we, we were pushing them all the way. And then, like I say, in the end, I got him in ball or move position. So I don't think Steve really thought, you know, like, oh yeah, the kids, I can just use them when I want. If you were good enough, you were in. You know, Tony McMahon had a spell where he was playing and Michael Rasga wasn't. He played for Passamon. <laughs> it's like crazy when you think about that. Would that happen anywhere else? Man United, obviously, they need to win, so they'd probably go and buy. Know, players who were ready to play every week and he believed in youth and I think he just gave everyone at the club conference to, that we can play the first team. You mentioned already about how important was going to Sunderland alone. I mean yeah. the fact it was just down the road probably helps from what yeah. you were saying about being a bit of a home bird but yeah. how, how impactful was that for your career do you think? Yeah. yeah it was big because uh, I think at the time I was obviously trying to earn McLaren's trust. I was still like to say developing even if you look at pictures of me at Sunderland I'm still I look about six storm ring away. I'm still like a boy really and uh Obviously, he brought Zenden and then people in to play, and, and the club was sort of starting to do better and better. And he said to me, I just think you need to go play and run of games, basically. And uh, to be honest, I think the plan was probably, I went in October, November, I think the plan was maybe January, have a look at it, maybe stay another to the end of the season. But this one, I mean, about fast track and a bit of luck sometimes on your side. You get an injury to Mendy. I came back, was on the bench a couple of games. We changed position, Ray Parler went out to the right, put Zenden and put me on the left. Probably you say, well, let's see if he's ready. Because I did alright at Sunderland, a uh, couple of goals in a couple of games, and he chucked me in. That was probably my chance. If that doesn't go well, I'm probably out. They might assault me. I don't know. Sunderland might come back in for me. But then the team started to do well. I got better. And you, you talk about see you take your chance. We've had this. We're talking, and this is before we get on to sort of Calvin Cup, Europe, England. Mm-hmm. You've had this rapid rise. At any point, was there a setback? Was there something that hit you and you thought, "Hang on, this isn't as easy as what you know." 
I think when I when I first got in the team, obviously the fans are behind you, local lad, and I was, you know, they're all you know pushing you to play and and etc etc, and then sort of you know the team was doing well, I was doing well, and then I got an injury. Uh, I done my knee, and just before like the title of England and stuff like that, and uh, it took me a couple of months to recover really. And I was thinking, am I gonna ever like sort of get back here, a young lad? Because I've obviously how old were you then? Then nineteen twenty. So I had like a, a dummy knee and then I had a, a setback again with it again. So I was out, you know, missed most of the season or five just before that World Cup in that summer. And I was thinking, you know, it, it doesn't feel right because I never had an injury. Yeah. Played all the time, trained every day, never, even as a kid, never done a hamstring or cart or nothing. And I was thinking, I don't feel right. I came and I just came back in the first couple of months, it was taking me like up to speed. And then, like I say, you get your confidence back again and you, you feel fitter. But I think that was the first time I thought, oof. I can understand now why players are injured and why they take time because I can understand why players are injured and could, couldn't come back and play. It takes time, doesn't it, to find your rhythm and that again? But I never understood it until I got injured. Well, I suppose that stands in good stead for your future career as well because you learn how to deal with something like that, don't you? Yeah. Injury is a big thing. You see players get depressed on it, they, they don't feel the same, trying to do things they were doing before they couldn't do because, like I say, injuries can change your body. All, all managers treat you differently as well, don't they? Some, when you're injured, they'll go out of the way to yeah. speak to you, to chat to you. Yeah. Others, you you just won't feel anything. You won't see no. anything. And probably later on in in the chat, I'll talk to you about someone who obviously signed me, but then sort of put me to the side until I was fit, which was another mad thing to do. But like, because I was not used to him, like you say, the managers mm. obviously need to win. But to be fair, to Steve, like, I think because the plan was in place on a long term project, I was out for five months. He didn't then think I need a new player. Sorry, and he's done. And how long are you going to be? How long will it take? We sort of like, and then at the time, Adam Johnson people out come through, so give them a couple of games, and then Zender might go back out the left again for a couple of games. So he sort of managed it until I got fit, and then, like you say, that that's it. from your point of view as well. You can see this, and you're thinking they haven't actually replaced me. Here. They're just, yeah. you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. Yeah. He's, he's waiting for me to come back. Yeah, that must have helped you. Yeah, and even coming in, like you say, I mean, it's not probably good for the physios, but he's going. Can he be fit next week? No, <laughs> because you know, managers like I can understand they need to win or they need the thing. I need my players back. And obviously for Mosin and it's pressure then to get me fit and as a young lad it's good because like you say, if I get injured and a month later in the transfer when they go and buy a left wing and all of a sudden I'm thinking, Oh god, that's me done. He never did that, so I think that gives you confidence well, doesn't it? Like he believes in me. That from what way you're speaking there, Stu, that probably sounds like a real pivotal sort of part of your career in the, in terms of character building. Yeah. That probably built the character that, that went forward and yeah. achieved what you achieved in game. Yeah. And I just got sort of confident as I went along, like you said, you play more games. The team's doing well, you're doing well, you're playing. Like I say, you're playing ahead of players who are internationals and they keep you something going, you know, I'm alright, you know, I'm settled here, I'm in the team and I'm, I'm good enough to be here, sort of thing. Whereas, like I said, yeah, I, was, I was a confidence player. A lot of wingers might tell you they're the same thing, like it's, they are confidence players, if it's not going well for them, you know, they can start to overthink things, but you know, they were a good couple of years because it built my confidence. I guess what helped a lot of the young lads at that point was that we were playing so many games, yeah. particularly once we got into Europe, they like, it wasn't just a case of putting them in and, and, and seeing how they do. It was like we were relying on these young players to pick up the yeah. slack a lot of the time because, you know, the, some of the older players might not be able to do Thursday, Saturday, yeah. and then next Tuesday in the cup or whatever like that. Yeah. I mean, it was one game we played 60, 60 odd games, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was, I remember that season, it was like, just felt like we were constantly playing, travelling, playing, travelling. I mean, great, don't get me wrong, but it could be in Europe Thursday night, and it could be in London on the Sunday, and it was like, you for the young players, my clients probably think I'd love to give them a rest up. But he couldn't because the squad wasn't big enough. So I'm talking about your chance. 
he relied on like Wheaton and coming through thinking they're going to have to play because I haven't got no one else I haven't got a transfer window to buy anyone you get thrown in and it's like well let's see if he can handle it and they took the chance and I think that's what you do. That's what you need players obviously I just need a chance and you might not get it at the so called bigger clubs because they're under pressure to win whereas we were sort of overachieving you must have had another team spirit at that time really? you must have done because the, the older lads obviously had their group and Gareth knew you go to play together and you know Viduks knew you know Swarty and it was like they had their own group and then obviously we all came through together and it sort of just blended into one and, and like I said yeah, them all the lads were great it was because you know when I first got the team it was like Paul Innes and people are intimidating you know you sink the swim and then they can put pressure on you like pass all here and stuff like that <laughs> so you swear but and you can think whoa whoa, whoa I'm, not, I'm not ready for this that's how in-team type of people were but maybe they're just testing your character whereas like Gareth and them are doing it a different way put your arm around you you know like talk to you maybe you could have done that maybe you could have done that there's different ways of doing things but it's, yeah, it's like a sink or swim, isn't it? Do you think going into a dressing room then is a lot different to what it would be going in as a young lad now? Or not? Or do you think yeah. it's the same? No, I think it'd be different now. I think they'd probably get more help now, which which it should have been anyway. But I think, you know, years ago, I don't know if all the players were thinking, oh, this little whip snap was either take my arm or haven't it? And like I said, in seeing people like that were intimidating. The, the, the test you're 17, they'd treat you like you were 30. It was like, <laughs> get onto the ball or, you know, pass it properly. And you're thinking, just give me one day and like, give me a bit of, let me find my feet did they ever leave a foot in your training or like that yeah you get all that wouldn't you but, like I said there was a, there was little uh, things over the years like little fights and stuff like that but I think more now it's more the more settled down and the lads I don't know if like I never worried about a young player coming to the team thinking they might take my place because at the end of the day if you're playing well you play it's the manager's decision isn't it so I think it's more settled now obviously we'd have to sing and dance and all that before we even got in the dressing room I don't think a lot of that goes on now with like initiations. No, it, it done, initiations are pretty much stopped now. It's pretty much stopped, but it wasn't anything down, it was just we had, we had to get up and sing for 30 seconds. Which Can you remember what you did when you had to do that? I think I had, no, I had to actually chat with a mop. It was in the old media room here. Right. You stand with a mop and pretend it was a girl and I had to chat her up. Oh, wow. <laughs> 17, it was like the most nerve wracking thing ever. <laughs> but then I got it like, I think I got 100 quid for it because it was like a Christmas tip thing. Do you know what I mean? Because that's when I started to get in the team, but. Yeah, I don't think a lot of that happens now. No, I think games moved on a bit now, only from yeah. then. <laughs> and that was an incredible Middlesbrough team and, and yeah. probably one of the best in, in modern memory. But even, you know, teams have ups and downs and, and, and there was yeah. moments of that team really. I mean, we'll be lost 4 in Aston Villa as an example. In the same season that we end up mm. reaching the UEFA Cup final. Yeah. When you hit those low moments, what's it like as a team and in that dressing room? Because you said the spirit carried you through yeah. a lot of the time. No, you made a good point there. That, that Villa game was a turning point for us because we were sort of drifting a little bit and then we, I think maybe we got a bit above ourselves well a few games thinking we beat them, we beat them, we're alright, we just keep winning. Villa whacked us 4-0 at home didn't they? and I'm thinking whoa, they, they, we've been kicked up the ass here and uh, the fan threw the ticket at McLaren and, and this is how mad football is like, they wanted him out, they've had enough and and then from then on we sort of went on a run in the league, cement now players kept safe, we went to the FA Cup semi-final, right? yeah. Yeah. and then we got the, the final of the UEFA Cup within like say, Five one, you know. Five months before that, I wanted him out, and then all of a sudden we could be in the biggest final of the club's history, and it's like just shows how football is. But sometimes you need that kick. It's not always like that, is it? And you need that like sort of negativity where you think, "Oh, we need to get back on track here. We're not as good as we think we are. We've been whacked by Villa at home. We should really be beaten." And then we start to kick on and go back to basics again. So I think we were quite good at that. Every time we had sort of a setback or looked like we were coming off the rails, we sort of like went on a run again. But I think that was probably because of the dressing room we had. We had good. 
Like when you were, I think it was maybe a week or two after that that you beat Chelsea three 0 and that was the first yeah. like Mourinho's biggest defeat in England yeah. at that time. Yeah. They were champions, in, incredible game, yeah. and then obviously the European nights as yeah. well. He was nice then, Mourinho. He actually came in uh, the dressing room. I remember it was obviously three 0 we, we sort of like have we beat them three 0 It's like wow, they went on to obviously smash the mm-hmm. lead, didn't they? We were sort of down the bottom, but we smashed them. We could have been like five or six, and we just had one of them days. It was unbelievable. Then he came in the dressing room, shut everyone down, walked out and said, well played, fair enough. Really? He wasn't like, oh, they're beat, oh, bitter. A bit how he's gone now, a little bit, you know, a bit tetchy, and he was, he was actually charming and all that. Then he walked in, he's been good at court, as he does. <laughs> a million dollars. No, I always remember thinking, well, fair play, but that's like a bit of class, but... You don't usually get that, do you? Opposition manager going in his no, dressing room. They'd always find an excuse, wouldn't they? Like, but I think, obviously, they, they weren't finding the feet. They were obviously a good team. He's probably just seen it as, like I say, a pivotal moment. They've been beaten, he's probably gone back in and gone, that's good as you think you are, you need to be on it every week and then they mm. go and smash the league. That, that year they were frightening when the Robin mm. Duff, yeah. Drogba, Lampard, Essie and all them lot. Yeah, mighty old butter took me clean us. I mean, that first spell, there were some massive high points as well, yeah. weren't there? You know, what, Carling Cup, yeah. the European run, you know, just yeah. talk us through what, yeah. what, what, we, what, what was your best moment during that first, let's be just before yeah. you, before you get you before you got the World Cup with England yeah. up to two thousand six, what's your best moment here? I think the Eindhoven game is the standout. Uh, I think Carlin Cup was big for me because I was still sort of a fan. If you know what I mean, I wasn't like when you get in the team, you then go, "This is like you know, on the play, on the job, I need to win." And whereas before, I was still thinking I'm a bit of a fan again on the bench. Just come back off loan from Sunderland, and then I got on the bench of the final, uh, the Carlin Cup final, and that was like a big moment for the club on it that we won that and it sort of took us on we got a little bit more money we could spend and get bigger players in but do because not and start coming in you think we're, we're, we're serious at the minute yeah. this, this is going to be good but so your best striker you've played with? yeah yeah for Duke. brilliant brilliant if we kept him fitter for longer periods we, we well he probably wouldn't have been here yeah? <laughs> <laughs> he I think if his injuries he'd have probably gone how we never played for them bigger clubs I don't know no disrespect to our club but he was on that level he was unbelievable but what were we like on a day to day basis? so laid back like I, I actually think at three o'clock he didn't know we were playing <laughs> really I, he was a bit like oh, we were playing today was, sometimes you wish you were a little bit like him because you'd overthink things you've got a big game and he's just so getting me built on 10 to 3 and then we go and I was thinking untied a little bit then he'd go out and just do something and you're thinking like wish we were all like that he was just so laid back as a character didn't Cause he, but the thing is he had a bit of reputation for being a fiery character as well yeah. Celtic Leeds lovely fella I mean, I wouldn't get on the wrong side of him, <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't think he ever done anything bad or flipped or anything like that. Obviously, he's a presence, he's a big fella. Uh, but he was, yeah, he was genuinely great, great with the young lads. Uh, he'd have crackers and stuff like that. And, uh, and like I said, playing with him was, was unbelievable. What was uh, Jimmy Floyd like? Because I, f- I feel like I remember him giving you quite a lot of stick at oh. times, Jimmy. Quite a lot. That's an understatement. That. <laughs> Jimmy was like two characters on the pitch, you just want to win. Probably the opposite of Duke's, a bit intense. Uh, like I said, he was on my case because I was crossing the balls for him and if yeah. it was, I crossed it too high, I wanted it low, if it was low, it was too high. I'm sort of like, when I look back now, I'm thinking, nah, he was good for me because like, I thought he didn't like, he doesn't like me. I don't know why he's around <laughs> yeah. just quite like, I, just, I don't think he likes me, he's shouting at me all the time. And then like, one day, I always remember at the end of the year, we, I won, I think it was player of the year that year, that, and he pulled me on, the, he sat on my table, he put his arm on me, he said, you deserve it, you've been brilliant. He said, you know why I get on your case? Because I need you. I don't score goals if you don't put good service into me and I thought oh, I was good at him that. It's a good conversation, it's good for a senior pro to tell you that as well, isn't it? I was like 19, 20 thinking, this fellow hates me, he's got to hate me, why does he keep shouting at me? 
just give him football like anybody you want just wanted to win he was a bit intense whereas the Dukes with the other side two different characters but he was a great fella off the pitch lovely fella but put him on the pitch the, 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 you just them eyes done the light up you've seen that stare you get but he was, he was another good player to be fair and Jimmy came at 33 I think you know sort of, sort of late 30s but hardest shot I've ever seen he could finish and to be fair he done, he done well then he for the couple of seasons earlier really. yeah. him uh, obviously Hasselman Hasselman sorry Macaroni Yakubu was still here he was getting 20 goals and like that must have been the hardest bit from Carlin, I think picking the two because like they were all probably banging on his dog going well I'm scoring every week they were all scoring and like I said Massimo come back and had a bit of a, a lift in me after struggling for the first couple of years so but we just that's what we're always good at we always have good strikers mm. well, speaking of Massimo those those two European comebacks yeah. we've got to mention them what were they like emotionally you know absolutely right. rollercoaster yeah and he was, he was a bit I think he suffered a massively with confidence Massimo he, he commonly started on fire and then big players came in and I think because he was a young lad he sort of he didn't thought maybe oh, he's a he's a man in Baduka and he didn't sort of play and he went on loan didn't he a couple of times and to be fair if you remember he come on he came on right wing didn't he he was a centre forward when we bought him and uh, he sort of just got chucked in right wing he could run up and down he could nick a goal and I think the clown sort just put him on and I also remember like a player I played at Liverpool Derek Cow was like that he was a centre forward end up a right winger run up and down work hard but he'd get you a goal I think it was similar to, to like that and I think them European nights actually gave him confidence, didn't he? I think when Massimo came on, even we thought as a team he'd get us a goal here. Whereas before we might have thinking, oh, he's suffering with confidence, he doesn't look the same, he's, his head's down. So, you know, he's a hero now, isn't he, Massimo? Yeah. Fair play with him, but uh, I think them European nights give him, give him a lot of confidence, yeah. What goes through your mind when that, that goal when that goal goes in because you're not going to final, then all of a sudden, bosh, you're going to no. final? That was one of the... Manistly more the UEFA nice. Cup final yeah. for, for Middlesbrough wow yeah and build up all week so I was massive we were 1-0 down where we, but we thought we, we could beat this at home because we give them a game away but you said they beat us and I thought we'll beat them at home but our crowd our players all fit we'll beat them we go 2-0 down so 3-0 on the night within was it 20 minutes I'll get the plan though yeah <laughs> captain goes off one of our best players Gareth and you're thinking oh fucking then this could be <laughs> 5-0 I think Massimo came on for Gareth, like, for Gareth? I think because we were 3-0 down at that yeah. point already when we so you thought well it worked and once and we got one just before half time, didn't we? And it's sort of obviously we've done it against Basel a couple of before. I think we can't do it again because they were actually better than Basel, but but rest they had a good team. And uh, we got a goal back, thinking, yeah. So McLaren comes in at half time, it was a little bit like I went wing back, but also like we're doing left back, left wing. Stupine, I think, it was Ursula and Moza, and we sort of went two at the back. Steve McLaren was quite a defensive 4 5 1 manager, like quite organised. He sort of just went, let's go. We'll go for the final. It's a one off game, we get big, we get big, let's have a go. At the one point, we had five strikers on the pitch. He never ever did that. I think he just thought, sorry, we're going to beat him, let's have a goal. We get a second goal, and you could just see the momentum's going, the crowd are up, they're going, you could feel them going. But if you remember the big ball at the centre back, mm. it was heading everything out, it was crossing it, it was heading it out, blocking everything, I think we need him out of the way. He gets sent off, doesn't he? Yeah. Turning point in the game, honestly, massive turning point. We cross another one, goal, and then the one at the end. The one when I get it to cross it to Massimo, if you remember the lad should have cleared it and just kicked it. Yeah. If he clears it, I think the game's over, isn't it, probably? Yeah, well, yeah. Sort of by the time you get it back up the pitch, yeah. the game's over and he shanks it. And it obviously falls to me, so you need that little bit of luck as well. But that season, I think luck went with us, didn't it, a few times over, over the course of the season. But we just got momentum and, like like I said, we always got people who can score goals. What well, were final? How do you look back on final? Because, I mean, it was unbelievable achievement for the club to get to yeah. be for cup final. Obviously, yeah. it finished up in the result it did. Yeah. How do you look back on it? It wasn't a 4-0. I 
I think uh, moments in games. I think they went one nil up. Uh, they were a quality team. You obviously got to be honest. They were, they were better probably on us and Pierre. Maybe you got Alves and Canute and all these. Danny Alves must be one of the best you've played oh. against in this. Like, I'll tell you a story about that. Like, unbelievable <laughs> where they've done a flip and watched him before that final. So before the final, they were saying that you get a, a dossier thing where you're playing against what he's like, strengths, weaknesses, and that. And the weaknesses, Danny Alves' weaknesses is not very good 1v1, uh, not the quickest. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I'm going to murder him here. This I go down the line first, got the missing thing, I'll test him. So sharp then, I'm thinking, no, he's, he's three footed, he can move. <laughs> Trying to chop him, I thought, I went into him, and I was still sort of a boy then, he was strong, solid, like that. Oh, whoever's done this thing, he must have been fing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was good, and he had Navas as well, you know, when I went to City, mm. and they were fast, and it was me and Frank Drew against him. Frank was a good defender, but it wasn't a quick, and you could see he was, he was up against it the night, and then we were sort of pinned back, but we're always in the game, they were 1 0, but we're always in the game. And then Vaduk's had a big chance to eat one nil. He had a volley and put me out on him, and he saves it the keeper. Then we had a penalty shout, didn't we? Yeah, and I look back and think, how's not a penalty? I'll never know. Then sort of McLaren's, I think the attitude was, let's just go for it. We're in a final. Chuck a few strikers on, but they pick us off. And it, it, I think they scored three. And what was it? It's about fifteen minutes in the second half. It was one of them. We went for it. If we'd have kept it tight, we might even nick the one-one, gone extra time, whatever. But because we went for it, that attitude of the semi-final and the quarter-final. Obviously, you play in Seville, they go up the levels and they just picked us off at the end. And like I say, but it was never a 4 0 game. We were still in it, but we just obviously messed up and met our match. And then, all this time that's running on your background, you're developing an England career. Yeah. You get to summer 2006? 2006. Yeah, go. Yeah, so I remember we were, I was sort of, so I was injured up until about the Christmas time. And I always remember it was Steve Round pulled me upstairs and said, have a chat with you about something. So all right, so I think, well, I've just got back fit, and maybe he's not happy with something. I don't know. And he put a list of all the games left in that season. Said if we get the final of the UEFA Cup, the final of the FA Cup, and all the league games, there's 26 games left. Obviously, because we only got the semi-final of the FA Cup, there's 25. If you play in every one of them games, you give yourself a chance of getting in that World Cup squad. Obviously, but you need to obviously be up there and doing well. And I talked about luck and timing. Sven came to a few of the games that season. And he was obviously at the Basel Bucharest game, I think, when obviously a few crosses went in. And that sort of got me in the squad, I'll be honest. I think it did. Because he, he, he wasn't at a lot of them Premier League games, but he came in the night where we sort of doing well and I was doing well in the game. I remember it being a thing on the telly that Sven stayed till the end. Like, you mm-hmm. know, normally the England manager would go to a game and they'd leave like 10 minutes before, mm-hmm. but he was, he was probably <laughs> smelling the next <laughs> one. He was enjoying it. Yeah. Didn't mind a bit of traffic coming out, didn't he? Because you know what England managers get off down the 17 and you're thinking, it's gone for two goals. Yeah. But yeah, he stayed, and then and right at the end of the season, uh, it got announced. I can't remember about the April time before the final, I think, and stuff like that. And we were sat upstairs with Gav, and it was two o'clock in the afternoon around dinner. And Gav said, "Do you think it'll be?" And I said, "Don't know. I've not heard anything. I'm thinking I might miss out here. I probably haven't played enough." That's just tell me That's mad, right? Gareth said to you, "Do you think you'll be in?" And then suddenly, well, not suddenly, but yeah. like I don't know, fifteen yeah. years later, he's selecting teams yeah. for the World Man. Cup. Man. Do you know what I mean? I remember there's a there's a group was having food because they used to stay around do the gym and stuff. There was a delay. It was like two o'clock, half two. We're gonna. There's a delay on the squad. I'm thinking maybe he's thinking I might not take in take him. He might be still thinking. I might be in one of these names. There was rumours it might be Walcott was coming in. Lennon and me it might I miss out and they might put an experienced player in. I think Jermaine Defoe missed out. I'm not sure. So obviously we're sat upstairs and I'm thinking oh, I'll get home. It only takes me 25 minutes to get home for me. I'll drive home. So I'm driving home, getting the 66, and you get a message, don't you, before it's announced. And obviously the message came through. 
Not that you looked while you were driving, Stuart. No, I did. I pulled it. T side pack. Yes. Get in, I'm in. Now my dad said, I'll be on 10 minutes, I'm in the squad. He said, It hasn't been announced. I said, No, the text you don't know beforehand. I'm thinking, well, looking back, it could have been Gareth, why me up, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember there was a, there was a little slight delay, and then, uh, like I said, I was in, I was over the middle buzzing. Is that, is that what, is that a pinnacle? You know, young yeah. kid, you've played for your hometown too, you play, you've been involved in a major cup final, Yeah. you've you've been in Europe, Yeah. and then you've been selected for your country for the World Cup, is that as yeah. good as it gets? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was like I say. I, I always thought because I didn't probably believe myself enough. I was thinking, oh, I want that squad. It's I'm doing enough. Playing at Middlesbrough, all these players play for Liverpool and Man United. It's like they're going to pick them ahead of me, surely. But he went. He needed balance in the team and stuff like that. Like I said, I was a left joke old player, but he needed like left side balance, and that probably led me further. I'm probably not going to lie, but like I say, you still have to do well. And like I said to you, there, a bit of time and a bit of luck and spends at the European games. You think take players in form or whatever. So yeah, it was mad because, like I said, two years before that I was on loan at Sunderland, so it happened so fast. Like I said, the team's doing well, so it's, it helped. It, I mean, it's an hell of achievement as well because I mean, where where I look at it, so it, you're not just yeah, Stuart Downing, Middlesbrough, but you're actually representing the area. It's fantastic for the area yeah. to have an England international at a World Cup. Yeah, it's huge, I think. Yeah. It's, it's massive. Yeah. Um, Probably you know, about it at the time. That's what I wonder whether you because you know everyone on T side is buzzing because one, yeah. one of our own of their own is in the is yeah. in the World Cup squad. Yeah. Now, and you know, at the time you don't think when you look back and you think, oh yeah, that was that was unbelievable. Even like when you're there, you don't, you just sort of live in a bubble, don't you? For 15 years you clean, you come out and you think, wow, that was good. I remember that. That was good. I didn't really enjoy that, but that trip was unbelievable. And like, and not only that, like I'm thinking, I'm going there to make the numbers. Up. He put me on sub in the first game, first sub on. I think the second game, I think the third game I got on, so I was always involved and you know, I wasn't there just to sort of make the numbers up, which give me you know, big confidence. Like he could have put anyone on the bench and he would put me on. So, you know, I wasn't there just to, like you said, because I did all right in the mirror. He, he wanted me there for a reason to use me. What was dressing room like? Tell us, because that was the World Cup where everyone was talking about the wags and you were based in this place in the middle of nowhere and you weren't allowed to do this, you weren't yeah. allowed to do. What was it like being at that World Cup? It was unbelievable. I mean, all that was a thing for the media. Like we didn't see all that was going. We were locked sort of weird. I always think of, like Rosebery Topman at the top, and no one else is around for like. Even the coffee shop was like three mile away. It was like we were just obviously um, the hotel was unbelievable. We had everything there, games room and stuff. But we were locked in, and obviously we had to go and see the wives every couple of days and stuff like that. But you know, people thought it was a bit of a circus, but it wasn't. I think the media built that up because they were all out with them. No, let's be honest. That, that's why they knew everything because they were all drinking around the streets and doing. They were like fans, so that's why they knew everything about the pictures. But the camp was serious, like I say, the lads were there to win, and we did Portugal I think for a week beforehand in Valdelobo, uh, training, like I say, getting fit and stuff like that. And then we obviously flew out to flew out to Baden Baden in Germany. But the trip was unbelievable. I, mean, I always remember it was so hot. The games were ridiculous. Even at half time, Sven was top, doing his team talk, and lads were like in sort of like ice baths. Not too cold, because obviously they had to go back out and run around, but towels all over them, like because they were just obviously losing a lot of weight in the heat and they were drinking loads of fluids. I always remember it was like organised sort of chaos. Sven's talk and there's just people walking around like get that idea, drink that, eat that. Eat. It was just like oh, because normally the dressing room sit at half time, only the man just yeah, yeah. gets his instructions and then he go back out. But it was just people walking everywhere. I always remember, but you could just see the lads were like beaming off. Must have been losing like that. Must have been difficult for Sven to be fair as well, though, because you've just said normally half time players are sat around yeah, and the manager's got everyone's yeah, attention. Yeah, but it can't have been easy for him when you know players are doing this, players are doing that, so no. because they need to. Yeah, you know, when you're talking, you want attention, yeah. don't you? And there's you must be thinking, 
sit down. <laughs> yeah. But obviously he knew the circumstances, like, right, let's get your fluids on, I'll recover quick, and it was so hot. And some of the games we, we won, like, 1 0, it looked like a grind of a game, but you don't realise the conditions you're playing in. These lads were perhaps, was it Ecuador, Paraguay or something? It was Paraguay. Yeah, they, Beckham scored a free kick. Yeah. Is that what you think? But we weren't great in the game, it was no. a bit like a stodgy game, but they were like fit, looked fit. But I'm thinking, they're playing these climates, they're new. Our lads don't, do they? We play in rain nearly every week. No, it was tough. You could see the lads late in games fading and think sort of hanging on, whereas we played them in England, we we, we battered them three or four nil on the old traffic or something like that, we battered them, but you've got to take into all that into account. But uh, I mean I just remember the amazing trip. Sort of like you know, a little bit like what was going on, we're still only young. Just everything was was unbelievable. What were it like when you came back? Because obviously it had been built up here as a golden generation, yeah, when yeah. we win World Cup, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do yeah. that. Now there won't be as much pressure on you as sort of some of the senior players in that group yeah, by yeah. any stretch. Yeah. But what were it like when you came back? How, how did it, you know, you come back, back to normal, right yeah. World Cup, how, 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 how did that feel? It was, uh, like you said, about the press with, it, with me, it was all right, I didn't get a lot of stick back, because mm. like, they were big senior stars, but established, I was sort of near the group and done all right to get in the squad, so I was all right, but uh, I think coming back, I sort of had to switch off straight away, because Gareth got the job, and then it was a big change around, obviously, like you say, he was, he was my teammate, wasn't my mate, really. You become the manager and I found that a bit strange the first couple of months, probably more strange for him, but you could feel like we were getting better as a team, he was starting to bring players in and, and to be fair, Gareth, he was a really good manager, enjoyed playing for him. Considering what he had to probably deal with in his first job, he'd done ever so well and, uh, and we had a decent team, like I say, I enjoyed playing for him and uh, yeah, so we all sort of had to switch back on straight away because I only had three weeks and then we are back into the season. It must have been strange for you just because you'd, you'd really only played for one manager at that point, mm. so you come in and Gareth's got his own ideas. Mm. And also, I suppose. Teammate, one of your next teammates. Yeah, well, well and Coach a lot of them. As well, and it was a bit, obviously, I played with them, they were, they were like. Yeah. And there was other like, senior players who were kind of getting phased out. I think Jimmy went at that point. Jimmy, and then, yeah, Ray Powell was yeah. sort of phasing out one of Yeah, so you're going from a point, you're becoming yeah. steadily one of the more experienced yeah. pros in that kind of thing. Yeah, and he treated me like a, I was still only 24, I think. Kind of because the team was sort of changed, like younger players came in, like in the early years and all, and they're only young lads, really, not a lot of Premier League experience. And uh, I was capping a few times, thinking, oh, I'm not ready for this, I'm only 24, I'm still learning the game, really. But he treated me like a proper senior pro, meetings and stuff like that, and he always lent on us for what do you think of this, think of that, and the lads are like that, and made me feel like quite important, you know, for a young player. And uh, but I remember looking back, he always said to me, I was captain at like 22, and I found it a big thing, like he said, but I grew into it. And, I always remember when he made me captain, I was like, I'm not really a shower or a ball, I'm like, you might think that's a bit... <laughs> well, no, I was just a quiet player, I got on with it, and he was like, no, no, you can do it, the lead by the way you play, how you act. That's what I did, you have to be a shower and a ball, because that's why I thought a captain was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just Monday, because like Johnny Austin, he was not showering a ball, as a captain. But they listen to him because they respect him, and he might only say something now and again, but it'll probably be that was... Yeah, that Harry Kane's another one, isn't he? Harry, yeah. Harry, Harry, Harry Kane's a captain who leads by what he does, not yeah. necessarily by what he says. Stephen Giles is exactly the same, never said a lot, but then he said something you like, Didn't he? Now I imagine him to be a bit of a but he has character soft player that'll like, drag you along drag you along with him, Stephen Gerald. Not one of the He led how he played. Mm. People went with him, he was a world class player, he respected him for all he was, but he wasn't a character was like the manager, if you know what I mean, he was shouting ball and but he was no just a calm That's what you want your centre half to do though, isn't he? Shout yeah. ball. Yeah, you know you do, yeah, keep people on the toes and organise. You wanna be frightened of your centre house. Have you ever played have you ever played with any of the of, about you on your toes yeah, that frighten you, that you've actually played with. Well, yeah. Hugo was a big fella, <laughs> great lad, like you know, dead funny and all. I used to get him alongside of him. <laughs> he was, he was, 
God bless him, he was, he was top man you go. Gaff, you know, could lose his rag now and again, like, would surprise you. Could it? With big players as well, like, yeah, dress him down and then didn't say anything back to him. I think that's the perception of the guy when people look and think, nah, he's well spoken, he's not, he hasn't got that, like, fire in him, hasn't got that, I don't know. But no, he surprised you. So just picking up that season with Gareth then, yeah. obviously the the, uh, the first season where they ended in that 8-1 win against Man City, yeah. that was an unbelievable occasion, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was a good day. Uh, I think he topped off a sort of a decent season for us, first season for Gareth. Uh, he probably gained a lot of confidence as a manager from it. Cause like you said, it was a big job, wasn't it, at the time, his age. Uh, but And then like I said, to kick on, to kick on the next season. Uh, but I, I like Gareth, like I said, his ideas were good uh, for a young manager. Like I say, who he is as a person, the player you want to do well for him, and uh, I think then generally in the first couple of seasons he, he, was, he was really good to play for. And then in the season we, we did go down. Yeah, I remember you were hit with a really bad injury, which is like it's kind of double whammy, isn't it? Because things yeah. are yeah. things are going aren't going as well on the pitch as yeah. well. You, you're having to deal with that at the same time, and mm. all you're being looked at all the more as a senior pro as well. Yeah, difficult season. That. I think we, we start off all right, and you think we're going well again here. I remember we beat Villa away. Villa then sort of went on a run. We went on the other way, you know. Down was we should have kicked on really. I mean, Gareth was manager of the month. I think September, October yeah. time, and we were like fourth yeah. in the league, something yeah. like that. And then we lost. We couldn't win in about it must have been 15, 16, It was big, and uh, you could see the team losing confidence. Uh, I think certain players came and didn't help him. Signs, I think, uh, didn't apply themselves. And like I say, the, the manager it all falls back on him. And and before that, his recruitment was very good. Uh, like I said, he was very good as a manager. It was a difficult season. I think there was rumours of me leaving and stuff like that with, with Tottenham in the January. And it, it was just stuff we didn't need serving around. Like I said, senior professional. I was captain at the time. And uh, but he, we, we still had a good relationship. But then, like I said, I got an injury with, I think, two games to go. And my season was over. And like I said, we, we had one game to go. But we had to win, sort of stay up and you know, come play no part. And, uh, but you could sort of keep see it coming. Like you say, I'm not, you're looking at it now, I could, but then at the time I couldn't. But now I look back and think, now I can see you coming with a young team, you're on the slide, the conference is going, your manager's still sort of relatively new in his job, mm. even though it's his third season, still learning on the on the job. And yeah, I just think, you know, certain characters and players letting down. And the Premier League's ruthless as well, and that's the lesson ruthless. from that, I guess. It's just like if you're not on it, then yeah. it's, it's easy yeah. to. Yeah. to fall away. And in fact, because he had a young team, it wasn't sort of the young players, it wasn't for the want of trying, it was just. They're still learning their trade, trying to get in. Whereas I came to a team full of internationals and you know, big players and characters who sort of ran the dressing room. The manager didn't need to do anything. We were sort of running the dressing room, and I was still sort of learning myself, trying to help and young lads. And it was just a little bit, you know, all over the place. But uh, I did feel for him a little bit because, like I said, I asked him, you know, certain people let him down. Hey, Michael,